Heavenly Father, uh, as, as I come here before you, I, I ask, um, and my heart does not just want to read your word today. I pray that the Holy Spirit just come into each and every one of us so that we can see your word today, that we can look at Peter's life and we can see what's happening and take it to a different level and feel what he's feeling as he says the things that he says. Lord, so help us use our God-given imagination and imagine us ourselves in the scene. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Karen and I were watching this show. I don't know if you guys have seen it on Netflix. It's called Alone. And they, what they do is they take 10 people from all over the country and they stick them on an island. And the island's huge, and so they separate the people by several miles. And so they're all alone. And whoever can last the longest gets half a million bucks. But you've got to get your own food. You've got to build your own shelter. You're on your own. And they have black bears. It's Vancouver Island. They have black bears there. And so there's this one guy from Mississippi that he's like, this is going to be easy. I got this. And, and then you have your professional naturalists, you know, that really are into it. One guy, he says, I got this, no problem. And his brother, they're interviewing him at his home. Asks him. You warned me about this. Okay, cut this guy. Okay, we're good? Okay. So, uh, so this guy, his brother asks him, and he says, what do you do if you see a bear? And the guy goes, man, I'll build a big fire. And they, it's a bear. It's not like grizzly. And, and they give you these air horns. And so I'll just blow the air horn. It'll noise. They run away and all that. And so they get to the island. And he quits within like two hours. Now, people are on the island for a couple of weeks to weeks. And two hours, one, a viewer wrote in and said, I've had naps last longer than he made it on the island. And so he, after about an hour into it, he pushes the emergency button, come get me. And so they filmed themselves. And so he looks into his own camera and he said, a black bear just charged me. Bluff charged me, and he goes, man, and just his face, looks into the camera, and he goes, things just got real, and I just burst out, I love that statement, things just got real, we can say whatever we think they are, and part of the reason why I want to, I almost named the title, things just got real, is we're going to look at Peter's life, and he has these things just got real moments, and so um, if you would... Turn your, if you've got your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Luke 22, and, and we're going to get there in a second. Um, go ahead and put that next slide up. I want to start off in, in 1 Peter, uh, and then work backwards. And so where we are, we're about halfway through Acts. Uh, Peter has uh, preached to thousands, had the day of Pentecost. He's, he, you know, went up to the to the, uh, the cripple guy and, and said, I don't have any gold or silver, but I do have, I freely give you. Pick up your mat and walk. And so he's had these moments, right? And so now he's about to put it down on paper. And verse 1 and 2, he does his entry on Peter and writing to you guys and all that. He does that. And then verse 3, this is the first thing that's in him. 
okay? Praise be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Boom! He just puts it out there. And so I'm reading this, and I'm thinking to myself, man, he's just, bam, he's out of the gate. And so what is in him that is causing this? And this is where my prayer today is not that we read these words, but we realize why he's bursting. Get this out first, okay? So with that, I want to go back and start at the Last Supper in Luke 22. And before we get there, I want to um, just take a look at the relationship between the disciples themselves. You've got to remember, it says it very, several times in the Gospels, these guys are kind of in competition with each other. They're always, it's typical men. We're always looking for where we are in the order. It's our ego telling us, I'm for the men guy, and they're comparing, right? And so this is going on. And, you know, John, I'm the beloved one. And, you know, he loves me, but we have a conversation. And then there's Peter. He says, you know, oh, Jesus is the Messiah. He's, you're not, he doesn't love you any more than he loves the rest of us. Fine. But, but tell me again, which one of you walked on water? Oh, right. That was me. Okay. Yeah. So I think I'm pretty much number one. And James comes up and says, yeah, yeah, that was you. And how did that work out? That's right. You, right? Okay. Yeah. I failed that again. Okay. Sure. So they're just messing with each other. They're trying to find this pecking order. He doesn't care. He just wants to handle the money. So we come to supper. They're doing it again. And so as they're doing it, Jesus kind of breaks in. And he starts to go through, you know, what we do when we take communion. And he starts talking about this is my body that is broken for you. This is my blood that is poured out for you. you got to figure they're kind of going... I thought this was going to be a Passover thing. And Jesus is kind of just blowing up the Passover meal. And he's saying these things, and that's different. And it's not different for us because we've known it. You know, we're used to it. But this is the first time for, for them. And then he has this moment. And Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And I, I like John's version of this moment because they focus in on Peter and Peter leans over to John and whispers to him ask him which one it is isn't that interesting because Peter's the bold guy he says his mouth disease he says things he shouldn't say and he's just out with it all the time and isn't it interesting in this moment he leans over to John and says ask him and so then Jesus exposes Judas and says go do what you do got to do, and Judas does, and he takes off. So now what's going in that room? Now, be there. Be in the room. Holy Spirit, take us there. The next thing Jesus says is Simon, Simon. Let's go to Luke. Get there. Luke 22, verse 31.
How many of you have seen? I'm 57 years old. My entire life, I've heard about sifting of wheat as taking and whatever, and throw it up the air, and the wind takes the chaff, and the seeds fall back in there. How many heard that visual? So I've, that's not so bad, right? Okay. Well, go YouTube sifting wheat. Seriously. I YouTube to just see what's this process. They have little children, aluminum bats, filling the wheat stock with bags with, the, with stocks of wheat. And these little kids are just beating on the bags. They're beating and beating. And then there's other things where they have these tribes in Africa where, where they have these big straps and they're beating and beating and beating it. And then they do the thing where they throw it up in the air. So there's this, if, that the way to separate the wheat from the tra- chaff is, is that I got a bead on it. And so, be Peter now. Jesus has just said to you, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And I like the way James says it. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, first of all, Simon, Simon, it's only about eight or nine times in the entire Bible where God talks to humans and says their name twice. Abraham, Abraham, you know, kill Isaac, you pass the test. There's these big moments, right? Moses, Moses. Time to stop messing around with this shepherd. Just go save my people, right? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he becomes Paul. So there's these big moments. And this is, this is Peter's moment. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Things just got real. He is now wondering. Yeah. So be Peter for a second. Jesus says that to you. Yeah. So you said, you said no, right, Lord? I mean, I'm Peter. I'm your number one guy. You know, you said, no, you're not going to mess with him. I'll protect my guy. And Jesus answers, I'm praying for you, Simon. Let your faith not fail you. Gee, thanks. I mean, it's probably not what he wanted to hear at that moment. But that's, that's the answer. That's what he gives you. And, and as I look at that, I think, what would you ask the Lord to pray for you? Is it well with your soul? That he just says, I'm going to pray for you, that your faith not fail you? Well, let's find out. What he's telling Peter is, I understand what's about to happen. Satan has desired you. He wants to sift you like wheat. You're going to go through it. And I'm praying for you, Peter. But recognize this. You're going to go through it. Whoa. This is, this is big. So I want to go back, and I'm, as I'm wondering, why Peter? Why is Satan singling out Peter? Why not James or John? And I, and I want to go through why I believe this is the case. Years before, 
Jesus is talking to his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, Peter's hometown. And they're talking, and Jesus asks them a question. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, you've got to recognize, these guys are Jews, and there's two things Jews know. There's one God, Jehovah, and there's a Messiah coming. They are well aware of Daniel's vision, Daniel chapter 7. You know, I see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, and he's presented to the Ancient of Days, which is God. And he's all authority, and his kingdom will last forever. His kingdom will have no end. He is the Messiah. He's the chosen one. So he's asking him, who do people say the Son of Man is? And so James and John answer, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And Jesus kind of interrupts him. And he asks the single most important question in the entire Bible. And I'm not over that. Jesus asks them. In fact, the question is so important, God the Father reaches down to the scene from heaven. Jesus asks him, yeah, but who do you say that I am? That is the single most important question in the Bible. It doesn't matter what your grandparents say or your parents say. It doesn't matter what your peers say. It doesn't matter what society says. It only matters who do you say that he is. And in that moment, in the magnitude of that question, God the Father reaches down to Peter. And he pulls back the veil and shows him. And Peter sees for the first time, it's you. You're the guy in Daniel. You're the son of man. That's what, when you've been saying son of man, that's what you, he sees it. And he bursts out and he says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living. And Jesus goes, whoa, Peter, blessed are you among men. For, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. Now, I got to wonder, what's James and John doing right now? Why did I say Elijah? I feel like an idiot now. Why didn't I think of that? Now there's Peter, the blessed you. Now we're going to have to live with this guy with a swollen head and there's, and Peter's probably just his, his chest just grew five inches. You know, well, blessed am I. So there's, that's going on. He's in front of his peers. That's happening, right? And so Jesus continues to talk about going into Jerusalem, and they're going to kill him, and he's going to rise in three days. He's going to suffer, and he's going to kill him in three days. And Peter, with all the boldness and pride that he has now of being the one that hears from the Father, rebukes Jesus. Matthew's account grabs him and rebukes him and says, never, Lord. That'll never happen to you. And Jesus answered, fires back and says, get behind me, Satan. Whoa. You are nothing but a stumbling block to me. Whoa. Now, have you ever been pulled over by a cop? Maybe on a busy street. And there's a, there's a person in authority that is reprimanding you. 
There's an uneasiness. Now let's just take, he just recognizes he's the Messiah. And now the Messiah says, calls him Satan and says, you're a stumbling block to me. His ego is flattened in front of his peers. Can you, have you ever been on a sports team where maybe you're the guy or another guy on the team was not kind of getting what the coach says and the coach just yells at him and man, it's uncomfortable for everyone. And so James and John over there probably not saying a word, but you know what they're thinking. Well, that little blast to the top didn't last long, did it? And I guess he, you know, I mean, not even Judas was called Satan. Wow, so Peter, you've gone down a few pegs. Peter is humiliated. He is humiliated. He's going through this. Think about that. Well, something rose up in Peter in that moment. He's got to be figuring, are you kidding me? Stumbling block? That's all I am to you is a stumbling block? I left my fishing business for you. And something resolved itself that went forward. Silent resentment against Jesus. He wants to prove to him, I am not a stumbling block. I am going to show you who I am. I am Peter. And so this silent resentment is now in him. And, and I say that intentionally. I really want to capture that because somebody else noticed this. Satan noticed this. And he went, whoa, wait a minute. I got an opening here. I think I can turn this guy. And I believe in that moment, he starts his journey on talking to Jesus about, hey, let me sift this guy. Yeah, he's supposed to follow you. Let me sift this guy. That's when he gets singled out. The pride is risen up, and he's harboring silent resentment in him. So let's think about that for a second. And I want to think about, is there anything right now in your life? Maybe how you view yourself. Maybe your upbringing. Maybe somebody wronged you. You were absolutely right and somebody wronged you. I, 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 I won't say, but I, I have someone in my mind had a horrible boss and basically forced him to quit so that he could move on and get out from underneath it. And he was wronged for years. Are you, is it well with your soul? So this is the part where you kind of have to let go and trust in him. Okay? And you know, we say those words, let go and trust in God. I find that the Bible is pretty easy to read and understand, even sing some of those lyrics, but man, living it out, it's a challenge. Let go. Let go of my worry. Let go of my frustrations. Do you know how much God messed with me this last month? Because I was going to give a message on, is it well with your soul, is it? I mean, he doesn't let me stand up here. He doesn't let me 
Paul up here and give you a message without going through it. And so he's just been taking me through it. And so let's look at what Peter does. Let's, let's look at go. Let's jump back now to Luke. And let's watch Peter. I mean, we go back and we see him desperately trying to prove Jesus. We see it in the foot washing. I'm going to wash your feet. All of the other disciples washes their feet. And it comes to Peter. Never. You will never wash my feet. If I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. Well, then all of me, Lord, all of me. Don't need to do all of you, just the feet. It's like, oh, wrong again. And so there's this frustration of trying and trying. Luke 32. I have prayed for you. Let your faith not fail. The next line, and when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Turn back implies I'm going to turn away. Peter understands Jesus is saying, when you turn back, because you're going to turn away. Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answers, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times if you know me. Again, he is trying. <laughs> he is trying to get back in the good graces. Well, as we go forward now from the Last Supper, we go into the garden where Jesus is going to pray. And again, in Matthew's account, Jesus goes off and he comes back and the disciples are asleep. And Jesus says, even stay awake for an hour? Can you be Peter? What are you singling me out for? They were asleep too. Again, it's just this sifting, right? So then this, this silent resentment now comes to a head. They leave the garden. The guards come to take Jesus and Peter is now going to prove Jesus wrong. I told you, I'm never going to let them take you. I'm going to take my stand. And he pulls up and he hacks the guy to the earth. What is that about? I, I always look at that and I go, why? Why the ear? What is up with that? Why not just have him duck a swing and a miss? But he cuts the ear off. Everything happens for a reason in the Bible. And I heard one person say it this way, and I, this really resonated with me. He cut off the ear. Because when you try under your own strength, he was cut off the ear who would have otherwise listened. Think about that today when we inject politics into Christianity or there's some crazy church down in the south that protests funerals. I don't know what their MO is. In the name of Jesus, they're protesting funerals. They're there with their picket signs. And the rest of us are going, oh, Lord. When you try to defend Jesus in your own power, all you do is cut off the ears of those that have, would otherwise have listened. So Jesus, you know, has to get involved again with ear and fix the guy's ear, and he fixes his ear, and then... Go to take him away, and Jesus says to his disciples, Go, 
go away. This, this, is, this is what's going to happen. And they all leave. Except Peter. He follows close behind. And again, he's disobeying. Well, back to Luke in uh, 22. They, <clears throat> Peter, Peter's following behind. And he's in the courtyard outside of the high priest's house where Jesus is inside. And a little girl says, hey, I recognize you. Aren't you one of those disciple guys? Oh, no, that's not me. I'm pretty sure, thinking that was you. No, 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 no. And then the other people around the courtyard jump in. Yeah, 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 I think I saw you. And Matthew's account says that he lost them. And it was angry and said, I'm not that blankety-blank guy. And so, of course, they back off. And let's go to Luke, where we're at 22. Let's go all the way over to verse 60, right there, right when he denies it with all the passion and all the anger. That is Peter, that we've come to know him as. He denies it, and he's the rooster crows. Verse 61, right then, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Whoa. Can you imagine being Peter in that moment? the last verse and he went outside and wept bitterly Peter's sifting is in full force well the next day comes and he's crucified we know Peter's not there but we also know the Bible says he's from a distance he's somewhere all alone watching it happen and the last thing is on his mind is still after denying him, just like he said he would. He's, he's living with that, and now he's dead. I've got to live with that for the rest of my life. <laughs> I mean, have you ever had something like that happen where you can't make it right? This is where Peter's at. He can't make it right now. Well, turn your Bibles with me to Luke and one more page. And we pick up, it's now Sunday morning, and Mary, Mary, and Salome are headed over to the tomb, and they're going to change his dressings, and they're talking amongst each other, saying, hey, How are we going to get the stone rolled away? What are we going to do? And then they walk up on it, and it's already rolled away. Oh, it's open. Okay. Well, they come in, and they say, uh, they, they walk in. It's open, so they walk in. And they see an angel there, and the angel says to them, verse 6, don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. 
he is not here. See the place where they laid him? Now pay attention to verse 7 here. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? That in the horribleness and pain of the crucifixion and the gloriousness and the history-altering magnificence of the resurrection, Jesus tells the angel, hey, don't forget to say, mention Peter. The angel's, yes, sir. Isn't it amazing that in the magnitude of that moment, Jesus is thinking of Peter. As we go forward, we know that they had some time together. Because in Matthew's account, it talks about the 11 disciples. He says, has anybody seen him? He says, he's risen. Has anybody seen him? Peter has. Now imagine that. What was that reunion like? In my own imagination, I'm thinking, Lord, you were right. You were right. I'm so sorry. And I imagine Pete, Jesus just saying, Peter, peace be unto you. Do you remember when I told you that Satan wanted to sift you? I also said, when you turn back, I knew you were going to turn back. Strengthen your brothers. So with that, we come full circle. And go back to that Peter verse. And we get the fullness of what Peter's feeling when he says, praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I didn't deserve anything. I denied him. I looked him straight in the eye and I failed. And he gave me mercy. You got to know those two days, Peter was dead. He was just worthless. And then he's risen and he says, I've been given a new birth into the living hope who is Jesus. So worship team, you guys will come back forward. We're going to sing this last song. Two sermons have, or one sermon always has two things they want to get across. What do I want you to know? And what do I want you to do? What I want you to know is that God is so big. He's so big that whatever you're going through is not vision. He can't. He sees it. He sees everything. All for Him. That's what I want you to know.